Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Tuttle podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. We are so glad you're here. Each week on our podcast, you'll hear messages from our pastor, Brother Marty Williams. If you'd like to join us for worship, we meet every Sunday at 1045 a.m. Central in Tuttle, Oklahoma and online at fbctuttle.net. Now, let's get started. Well, good morning. It's an honor, it's a privilege to bring the word to you this morning. I know that uh, some of y'all are thinking, you know, Caleb's going to preach so that we're not going to get out by lunch. (laughs) That's okay. Um, God's laid something on my heart this morning to preach to you from His Word. I truly believe that it is something uh, that can benefit each and every one of us physically, spiritually, uh, and mentally. So earlier this month, I was, I was reading a book, as I, I usually am in my office, and I decided to read a little booklet. It was called The Christian Sabbath by a guy named Terry L. Johnson. And it's just a little small pamphlet. It's only about 50 pages. And he, in it, he talks about what is to him the one commandment most visibly ignored and overly violated by professed Bible-believing Christians today. And that is the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Um, it's true. We've somehow put this fourth commandment into its own special category where it doesn't apply as much as the other commandments. And we can go through all of them. I'll, I'll go the summary for you because we jog our memories. Uh, number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Two, you shall not make any graven images. Three, you shall not take the name of the Lord of thy God in vain. Uh, four, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Five, honor your father and mother. Six, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. So notice, notice what is on the list with, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery. They're all in the same group, right? We hold these to a high standard. We say this is the the moral law. This is what we hold to. There's an importance to why this is on there. There's a reason for this. Um, But before we go too far this morning, I need to clear this up. Uh, what I'm preaching this morning is not meant to be a burden to you, because it may come across that way. It is not meant to be a burden to you. I'm not trying to heap up law upon you. I'm not trying to start some sort of strange legalism uh, in this church. Hopefully not. Uh, firstly, because obeying God is not legalism. That's the first thing. But secondly, when we go to the Scriptures and we see the purpose We see the reasons behind the Sabbath, okay? We start to understand that it was never meant to be a burden or a hard rule on us, but instead it's something that's given to us as a gift. It's something that's for our benefit, right? It's not supposed to drain us, but it's supposed to energize us. And ultimately, it's something laid out to help us glorify God each and every week. You know, it's like your boss coming up to you at work and saying, hey, you know, I'm going to give you a paid day off every single week, right? I'm going to let you go feast at one of the greatest restaurants in the world for free. How does that sound? And you tell them, 
It's too much, man. You're, you're heaping up too much on me. This is, this is I, I can find my own food. I don't need you. It's, it's ridiculous, but it's true, right? We've completely neglected Sundays in the present day. Sundays are an extra Saturday to most people. But sometimes you might spend an hour or two at church, but the rest of the day is just a Saturday. Um, and the world's picked up on this. It knows we don't have much reverence for Sundays anymore. They're cashing in on it. Uh, we have to make sure we get out of church at 12 o'clock sharp because that's when NFL starts, right? It doesn't just happen at the professional level either. We're talking about the NFL. It's happening with our kids as well. You'd be hard-pressed to find a youth sports team that doesn't do anything on Sundays. It's actually very common for youth sports to happen on Sunday mornings. Coaches don't care. We can't waste a whole day not yelling at little Timmy, little Sally. Fix your form. Run harder. Quit pulling your head, right? But I feel bad for these kids. They get nothing but organized sports crammed down their throats 24-7. And even God took one day off. Um... This is a little bit of tangent, but you know, people say, you know, sports builds characters. Sports builds character, right? And that's the reason they're in it. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. But does it build more character than God Almighty? His word, his promises. And that's a bit of a tangent. And the, the point of this morning is not to shame people who do stuff on Sundays, right? The point is to show you what God has set before us as an example that ultimately points towards an eternity where there is nothing but rest. Um, and we're going to start in the beginning this morning uh, in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, just to illustrate that, because it all starts in the beginning. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. It says there, starting in verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished His work that He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work that He had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from His work that He had done in creation. I want you to notice something here. Is this before or after the fall? Before? Is this before or after the law? It's before. God has blessed and made holy this seventh day before the law, before the fall. This was God's design in creation, right? It's not a result, oh, well, they messed up, now we've got to have this. No, it's here from the beginning, right? God, before anything, has set aside a day that is blessed, is holy, and is for rest, right? And it says in the passage, God rested from all His work. Now let me ask you, does God need to take a break? Does God need rest? No. No, He doesn't. But the point of why He did that is to set a standard for us, Right? God's not going to ask us to do something that He's not going to do, right? God is setting forth a standard that His creation is not meant to work like dogs every single day of the week. 
That there is a day set apart that's holy and a day that's blessed that has God's favor and is made for His purpose of rest. Um, So for those of you, there's many of you, who feel tired, um, who wish that the world would just slow down for one second, um, who haven't taken a break from their toil in decades, who want to grow closer to God, who want to experience rest, let me point you to the God-given solution. God has been loving to us, and He's given us this. Let's not neglect it. So we're going to go to our main passage today. It's going to be in the book of Mark. Go to Mark chapter 2. We'll be in the New Testament, Mark chapter 2. We're going to see the words of Jesus and what He taught on the Sabbath. Um, At this point in Jesus' ministry, He had just called Matthew from his tax collector booth. Um, and like many times in the Gospels, he's encountered the Pharisees, so he's speaking to them. We're being marked to, and we're going to look at verses 23 through 27. 23 through 27. Mark 2, 23 through 27. Um, it says this. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did? When he was in need and when he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in which the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So this morning, I want to make three statements for you this morning. Three statements from the Scriptures about the Sabbath. And we'll elaborate on each one of them today. Um, And here's the first statement for you this morning. Statement number one is that the Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath was made for man. As it says in the passage, we were not made for the Sabbath. It's not as if we're some benefit to the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made with explicit purpose for our benefit, for our good. So we need to pick out a few things from this passage. Um, Firstly, it's this. We see the Pharisees, they're trying to trap Jesus, as they always do. Um, You're plucking grain on the Sabbath. This isn't lawful, right? The Pharisees, who are the most well-read of most of the Jews that are around, right? Um, They're experts on the law, are told by Jesus, have you not read? And it's basically like an insult to them a little bit, right? Have you, who have spent your entire life in devotion to the law and the Word of God, have you never read this passage? Have you never read what David did when he was in need and in hungry? to those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the presence, the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, but also gave it to those who were with him. Jesus is doing something here. He is pointing out to the Pharisees that they have a fundamental misunderstanding of the Sabbath. And I would say a lot of us do too, myself included in that. And that's why we neglect it, right? Uh, because we think the standard the standard's too high. Um, but it's not a pharisaical standard. It's not a God-set standard. You see, the Pharisees saw the Sabbath as another law, 
as another rule to follow. Um, if I do this, if I follow, if I observe this, then I can appear godly to those around me, which is a major concern for Pharisees, right? But Jesus tells them, you don't get it. The Sabbath was made for your good. It defeats the purpose of the Sabbath if we starve on this day. It's for our good. Firstly, it's for our physical good, right? When we see it in the original passage, in the original law, right, we can see very much the language that's emphasizing rest from physical work. Um, we'll go ahead and just look at it. It's in Exodus. This is where we see it uh, written down uh, for the first time. It's in Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Exodus 20, 8 through 11. Uh, Exodus 28 through 11 says this Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and the earth and the sea, and there's all the Zunim. He rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So the Sabbath is this day where we are intended to rest from our common work. The world is a busy place 24-7. Um, some people are wired to be working 24-7. Um, I know there's a few, few of us that would say, it's not me, but it's a few of us that would say, if I'm not working on something or doing something, I'm going crazy, Right? Some of us are just wired that way. But it's because we've been so conditioned that we're nothing, we're worthless if we don't get work done every day. But God knows our frames. He knows that we try to work ourselves to the ground. And that's why he set up a day for us to rest, to rest. There's this nagging voice that's in a lot of people that tells them, you need to be busy. But there's a stronger voice that comes from God Almighty that commands you, rest. You would be surprised how much you can get done in six days when you know the seventh day is off limits. And you'll have the energy to get through those six days because you were intentional in honoring the Sabbath and resting. So it's for our physical good. Firstly, it's for our physical good. But secondly, I definitely think more importantly, it's for our spiritual good. Let's read, uh, if you're in Exodus, go to Leviticus. So just flip to the right. So Leviticus chapter 23, verse 3. Leviticus 23, verse 3. Um, Leviticus 23, verse 3 says this. Six days shall work be done. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. So he says a holy convocation. It's not a word we usually use. It's a day to assemble, right? And assemble together for the Lord. We're going to come together, a convocation. We're going to assemble together for the Lord. Um, in the book of Numbers, and I'll just read this one for you. It'll be on the screens. Uh, the book of Numbers 28, 9 through 10. It says, On the Sabbath day, two male lambs, a year old without blemish, and two tents of an epath of fine flour for a grain offering mixed with oil and its drink offering. This is the burnt offering of every Sabbath besides the regular burnt offering and the drink offering. So on the Sabbath, we see Israel gathered together. 
Now we're seeing on the Sabbath, they double their sacrifices, their offerings. Um, and in the language of the, of the passage, we, we see the command. It's to remember the Sabbath, keep it holy, to observe the Sabbath. We're supposed to celebrate. We're supposed to remember God's work in creation. So when we saw it in Exodus 20.11, it says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. And He rested on the seventh day. It's highlighting God in creation, right? Um, it's one of the things we're supposed to remember on the Sabbath. But not only that, not only creation are, is one of the things we're supposed to remember, it's also redemption. Uh, when we look at it in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15, it should be on the screen, uh, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Sabbath day is supposed to be a day where it highlights our redemption. So when we're thinking about the Sabbath, and we, we, I, I've repeatedly called it a day of rest, day of rest, day of rest. Um, what does that mean, to rest? Is this a day where we just nap all day and are completely idle? Is that the point of the Sabbath? No. I wish it was, but no. Right? From the passages, it's not that. Because what we notice there about the Sabbath, it's not only a day of rest. Notice what it said about the Sabbath in all these passages. It says it's, it's set apart, right? It's holy. It's blessed. It's a day that's favored by God. Um, it's for us to refresh ourselves both physically, but more importantly, and more refreshingly, spiritually. It's a day set apart where you have guaranteed and undistracted time to seek God. Uh, I know a lot of you, and some of you, may have thought to yourselves lately, you know, man, I haven't been growing a lot lately. I wish I would have grown, or, you know, this week, you know, I really felt like I stepped backwards this week spiritually, uh, or this month, or year, or decade, right? Uh, I really wish I could just grow more. Here's the remedy. The Sabbath, a day set aside from all distracting secular things, where you're put in the church with the people of God every Sunday morning and evening and giving the rest of your day for your own private or family devotion through prayer of the Scriptures. Because what do we call the Sabbath? We call the Sabbath the Lord's Day. We see it referred to as the Lord's Day in Scripture. Is it just the Lord's morning? Is it just the Lord's afternoon? Evening? Is it the Lord's 18 hours? Is it the Lord's... No, it's the Lord's day. And that's going to bring us to our second statement this morning. So we saw that the first statement about the Sabbath is the Sabbath was made for man. But the second statement is this. Christ is Lord of the Sabbath. Christ is Lord of the Sabbath. So let's get, we're going to continue on in Mark chapter 2. And we'll look at Mark 2, 28, all the way through 3, 5. Mark 2, 28, all the way through 3, 5. Um, so continue on after he just said, um, Sabbath was made for man. 
he says, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand, and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, greed at their hardness of heart, and said to them, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. See, we've established that the Sabbath is for man. But it is not up to man what he will do or what he won't do on it. It's for man, but the Son of Man is its Lord. It's his day, not ours. Sunday, I, you know, Sundays for, for some people is, is a family day, right? That's, that's great. Sundays, it's, it's a golf day for some people, right? It's an NFL day. Um, but from the Bible, it's none of those things. It's the Lord's day. It's for our good. It's not about us. It's about Him. What is the most good, the most refreshing thing that we could do for our souls, the best for our health? Is it whatever leisure we could come up with? Or is it the presence of God? Isaiah 58 passage that speaks explicitly on the Sabbath. Isaiah 58, verses 13 through 14. It says, If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Look what he says. If you honor it, how so? Not by going your own ways, not by seeking your own pleasure, not by talking idly. If you honor it, then you shall take delight in the Lord. Taking delight in the Lord is one of the purposes of the Sabbath, right? Not taking delight in the other things of the world, but taking delight in the Lord. I get it. There's lots of people that you know, miss church or whatever, miss services every week. Um, really what it is, it's the God of leisure, right? The God of leisure. Uh, we have to know that Sunday's not my day. It's the Lord's day. There should be a very rare circumstance that takes us away from that. You may ask yourself, all right, you're setting all this on me, Caleb. What am I supposed to do all day? Do you want me to pray for 12 hours straight? Do you want me to read the Bible, the entire Bible today? Ideally, yes, but realistically, I think it's easier to ask this question instead and kind of use it as a filter um, for what we do on this day. So when you're about to do something, or whatever you're thinking about what you might want to do on the Sabbath, ask yourself, does this thing I'm going to do enhance my appreciation of God and His work? Help me take delight in Him, right? Does this thing I'm going to do enhance my creation of God and His work? 
Here's a couple examples. Beyond creation. Walking in the park. Fellowshipping with believers. And there's so much more to that. There's freedom within this parameter, right? It's not a strict rule. But you should also ask yourself, do any of my Sunday activities distract my attention from the things of God and take my heart elsewhere? When we think about these things, I don't, I don't want them to be a burden to you. God does not want them to be a burden to you. The Sabbath is supposed to be a blessing. Because the thing is, the world is full of burdens. And when we're so filled up with it, day in and day out, 24-7, all these things of the world, it weighs on you. It weighs on you. And we, sometimes we don't, we don't feel like it. We're like, oh, I, I'm fine. No, it does weigh on you. We need this, right? It's for your health. It's for your goodness, right? The Sabbath is supposed to be a blessing. It's not supposed to be a curse. Um, we're talking about rules or whatever, and, you know, accept, are, there, you know, are there exceptions to this no work rule? Can I, can I work on the Sabbath? Life happens, right? Life is dynamic. We need to do what needs to get done. But our goals, what we work towards during the week, should be doing everything we can in order to not have to work or do something on this day. And that speaks to another truth that I want to talk about. We should give our best to God on Sunday. What do I mean by that? Are we giving our best to God on Sunday when we stay up half the night Saturday doing all sorts of craziness? And when we come on Sunday, we're exhausted. We can barely stay awake. We should prepare our minds and hearts for this day because it's a big day, right? It's the Lord's day. It's a big day. And these things sound so crazy to us. It, sounded, it sounds crazy to me when I, you know, I was reading about this, but it all comes down to a lot of us just have an underdeveloped appetite for the things of God. I definitely do. We have an underdeveloped appetite for spiritual things. It's not crazy to hear that people are worn out by two hours of church on Sunday, right? That's not crazy talk. Um, people are worn out by two hours of church on Sunday. But when we're talking, you know, thinking about all the other things we do, we don't think nothing of spending hours and hours and hours on Saturday, you know, driving and tailgating and partying, watch TV, whatever it is, because we've developed an appetite for those things, right? We've grown to crave those things. So part of the Sabbath is, is helping us Create appetite for the things of God. Help us to get that spiritual palate, right? Um, and some of us are so emaciated, we're going to have to force feed ourselves a little bit, right? Because it's contrary to our nature to consume spiritual things. But we're going to slowly grow this spiritual appetite for the things of God and get to the point where all these worldly things that we used to spend so much time on and used to think so much about seem insignificant compared to the things of the Lord. Um, just like the hymn says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full on His wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light 
of His glory and grace. There was, you know, back in the 30s and 40s, there was an Olympic hero, and he ended up being a missionary. His name is Eric Little. Eric Little. He was in the Olympics, and he refused to compete on Sunday in preparation for the 1924 Olympic Games because he wanted to honor the Sabbath. And when asked if he were willing to compete in his strongest event in the Paris Olympics on a Sunday afternoon, um, and in particular, was he willing to do so because he was told in France the Sabbath ended at noon, um, he answered, my Sabbath lasts all day. The willingness of Liddell to dedicate one day of the week entirely to the Lord, even if it cost him the opportunity to compete in the Olympics, is inspiring. Liddell, in fact, actually went on to be a missionary in China, and he died at the age of 43 in a Japanese prison camp, a martyr for the faith. But the subtlety of the Sabbath is this. Liddell was willing to give one day out of seven because he knew all seven were the Lord's. It really comes down to that. When we know that all seven of our days of the week belong to God, it makes it a lot easier to devote and set aside just one for Him. We've spoken a lot about the purposes of Sabbath and its benefits to us. But I want to make one more statement before we finish about the Sabbath. The last statement, the third statement. The Sabbath is a shadow of the rest that is coming. The Sabbath is a shadow of the rest that is coming. We've seen all the ways that the Sabbath applies to us, how we're supposed to live it out, its purposes, right? Um, but there's one final thing to note about it. And just like many things within the Bible, it's a shadow of things to come. God has set aside a day for rest since the first week of existence before anything else. This had been set aside. Here's, here's one way we see it as a shadow. Go to Matthew 11. Matthew 11. If you're marked to the left, Matthew 11, verse 25 through 30. Matthew 11. 25 through 30. Matthew 11:25 through 30. At that time Jesus declared, "I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father." And no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So for the Jews of the Old Testament... Even the wisest among them could not have possibly surmised, guessed, thought up that the Sabbath was a shadow of a greater rest that is coming. And it came in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our Sabbath rest. Christ gives us 
rest from the weight of condemnation. We no longer have a sentence over our heads for those who believe in Him because He's purchased us with His blood. Christ is our Sabbath rest. But I will say this. um, Our rest is not complete yet. For you and I today, our rest is not complete yet. There is coming a day when there will be nothing but rest. Um, I want you to flip to the back of the Bible, to the book of Revelation. And we'll look at verses 21, or chapter 21, and verses 1 through 4. Revelation 21, 1 through 4. We read this kind of, it's kind of a description of what's to come. Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. It's under the section that says the new heaven and new earth. It says in verse 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. The sea was no more. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven with God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be His people. And God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. If that does not sound like rest to you, I don't know what is. The Sabbath is a shadow of the rest that is coming. So, for you, Let's honor the Sabbath, right? Thinking to what God has done in creation and what He's done in redemption. This day has been blessed. As you leave here today, delight in the Lord today. It's the purpose. Delight in the Lord today. Take the day to delight in God. But there's some among us that have only known toil. They've never experienced rest. And how could they? Because the weight of sin still weighs on them. Uh, To those of you that are carrying that weight of sin, who have not believed in Jesus, He is calling you today, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Uh, Brother Wayne's going to come up and lead us in an invitation. And this time is for that. Right, an invitation to come forward and to experience rest. The call is to you, if you've not believed in Jesus, to experience rest. But as for you who do know Christ, for the brothers and sisters in Christ out there, my challenge to you today is to honor this day. It's been set. It's been set apart by God. Delight in the Lord today. Use this time to refresh your souls. And those things that we use to hold so dear to us will become worthless in the light of the glory of Jesus Christ, the Lord, and the Sabbath. Hey friends, before you go, if you have a prayer request, we invite you to send us an email at prayforyou@att.net. That's P-R-A-Y, the number four, Y-O-U, at att.net. 
or call the church office at 405-381-2492. If you'd like to learn more about our children's, youth, men's, women's, or senior adult ministries, visit our website at fbctuttle.net. Thanks again for joining us today. We love you and we hope you have a blessed week.